busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Today I'm going to do something intentionally that I never intentionally tried to do before. And I am just going to word vomit into this phone and just vent and let everything come off that is on. And hopefully we'll get something amazing out of it. We always do. But this time, I don't want to be so structured. I just want to speak so freely from the heart and soul that it almost looks like you are literally in sync with my heartbeat at this time. I am in a very, 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 very unique place in life. It almost feels very alienish among the earthlings, if you will. I have awakened to this person that I am becoming, and I am still trying to figure out all the intricacies of this new person while trying to see how this person fits in the place that I currently reside, which is Earth. Like, I no longer want to live life as uh, usual. There is no normalcy to me. Um, and I don't want to say normalcy. There is no desire to be regular, I would say. I don't want to be a regular mom. I don't want a mom as usual. You buy them some clothes that you know, whatever, to go to school, you blah, blah, blah. Like, I am so intentional on how I mother. I mother with the insight that I am literally putting in all the tools and everything else that is needed for a future adult to then mimic in, into this life and then raise a family or to co-partner with someone and to have friendships and relationships and work ethics that for the most part I should have at, in the home environment given them their initial start. That's a different kind of twist and I discussed that with you before when you look at mothering and when you look at parenting. It, it is literally having to maneuver between what skills can I give you based upon your wiring, how God made you. I don't want to inflict anything that I want onto you. I want to discover and get the inside scoop from God who he made you to be so that I can then come along you and fashion and add things to that that will entice and enhance you. Too many times there are parents trying to go ahead and make uh, their children who should be doctors trying to make them go over the family business there's so many times that this should be children that should be going ahead and being teachers or being something else in the creative realm or in the arts realm but you are inflicting what you want them to be so this entire time what you've done is you've taken this bicycle in the spiritual realm and you try to make it a car yes it is a vehicle and a transport to get somewhere but they have two different mechanics and so as a parent what you should be doing is saying okay god you gave me this insight or you gave me this ability to be their mother be their parent be their their legal however you want to do a biological or not you gave me this gift to do so but give me the insight scoop give me the spiritual know-how to raise what you already created do you see what I'm saying? So I take parenting very seriously. It's not something that's just, oh, you know, just happenstance. No, I, I'm literally looking at your flaws and I'm going, okay, with the information that I know on this flaw, how can I go ahead and make you, A, aware of it, and B, show you how to do some things to contort that so that this flaw won't be your flaw throughout your life? Because let's be 100 a lot of your flaws as an adult, you can trace it back to your childhood. 
Whether it's laziness, whether it was a lack of communication, whether whatever it is, you can trace it back to, yeah, it either started there or it got strengthened there. But at some point in your childhood, this thing was apparent. And so what should happen is a parent, the person who is over you legally and what have you, should come along you and say, you know, that trait is not going to work for a successful life. That trait is not going to make your life journey smooth. And so this is what you need to go ahead and do. I wish to goodness that someone would have came alongside me and said, hey, listen, uh, when you get emotional, you become irrational. I know that you're a woman and I know that there's some other nuances that go on with being a woman, but I need you to come back to logic. You can feel your emotions. You don't have to live through it. I wish to goodness that someone would have came alongside. I wish to goodness someone would have came alongside a child that has sticky fingers who essentially was just displaying. I don't know how to take on the principle of delayed gratification I want it now I'm tired of being made fun of in school or I'm tired of seeing everyone else have I'm tired of being a lack so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and just give me uh the five finger discount and I'm going to take that thing uh and then whatever comes of it comes of it but it feels better to me to go ahead and have the thing that I lack than to try to even think of the consequences on the front end I'll deal with whatever comes with that because feeling this feeling in the initial part of man I'm no longer in lack feels way better than thinking about a consequence I'll deal with the consequences later I wish to goodness someone would have came alongside them and said you know what also feels good hard work like if you really 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 want that thing put a price on it and then let's start making a plan on how to get to it it feels better to get something to earn it to have it and that way no one can take it from you and there's no consequences from you earning a thing so parenting as usual is not cute to me. Being in a relationship as usual. I, my cousin sent something in a family group chat that this woman was pretty much saying uh, that, you know, side chicks, they need to go ahead and have their life insurance policies on their dues. And, you know, they're smart. And she got three life insurances on her dues that she messes with and was pretty much giving this side chick declaration to how to side chick well. And, um, you know, you, the, the, the main person can't control if she comes to the funeral or not. And it was just like, so when do we start just relating and being in relationships like as usual like that's cute that's cute to go ahead and to state your claim as secondary side piece like that's cute to go ahead and know that you are actually doing something to another woman that you wouldn't want done to your own daughter that's cute to you that that you are influencing and keeping on this trajectory of broken homes broken hearts, broken anything, and you are contribute, contributing to it, yeah, you can't control what a man does. You can't control what anybody does, female, dogs, cats, whatever. But when you start adding to that, you are now contributing to someone else's brokenness. And, and it's perpetual because you do reap what you sow. You understand? This is not a life that you can go ahead and do what you want. And it's just like, huh, you get a pass on that. No, everything that you do, if you don't experience it in your lifetime, it will go on to the next generation. Read your Bible. <laughs> it has happened. 
David did something. He's like, God was like, ah, you know what? I don't really want you building my palace. Have a nice day. You got blood on your hands, bruh. But what I'm going to go ahead and do is I'm going to let your son do it. Um, But because of what you did, the son that you have with Bathsheba will die. So let's just go ahead and do that real quick. And there's been so many other things I'm reading in Kings, um, First Kings especially, where it's like, man, if somebody did something, God was like, well, either they got the punishment or the person that was next in line, their next to kin, their next child, the next generation had to go ahead and reap that that's why it's called generational curses that's why you should be trying to do your best and having generational blessings and so I have reached this place where regular is just not regular especially in the workplace I am no longer that 19, that 20, that, you know, kind of just take whatever from anybody kind of person anymore. I have gotten too deep into my spiritual walk, too close to God, too deep into my Bible to just live a regular life. I cannot do it. I cannot go into a job and have someone talk to me any kind of way. As you have already experienced firsthand with the last conversations that we had when I was at that last situation, you remember? Was having the most difficult time. Because I understand that you have to stand for something. Like literally, it has to be something that you stand for. And so for me, if it's, listen, I can't control people. But I will control your access to me. I will control how slick you think you get ready to talk to me. I don't care if it's president of the whomever, prime minister, it does not matter your title. At the end of the day, you still are a human being. And when you're talking to a fellow human being and it happens to be me, I need you to come correct because I'm never going to come with disrespect. So I expect not to receive that on the receiving end of it. It's just not something that's okay. And so I'm just like, man, I have one or two choices at this point in my life. I can either try to revert back to, mm, you know what, let's go back to the non-ruffled feather kind of way where we don't say a little bit of nothing. We kind of blend in, you know, we kind of get over the humps as they come. And we, you, you know, we just, we pretty much just, you know, you do the ostrich thing. You look good when it's time to look good. And when something looks too difficult, you bury your head in the sand kind of thing. And I can't do that. I can't do that. I literally had to ask myself, Do you realize that becoming who you are is making some aspects of your life a little bit more difficult? And I was like, yeah. But in becoming who I am, I have to eat that. That's something that I have to accept. I cannot suffocate who I'm becoming because I don't yet know how to place her in certain aspects of life. I can't drown who I'm becoming because who I was was okay with floating. Floating is cute, but like I want some depth when it comes to life. I want to know that I, that I hit some really profound areas in my life where it's like, man, and I feel like I did. And I'm looking and I'm like, I will never be the same. Once I got information on, listen, 
you should be eating like it's your medicine, like your food is your medicine. Never look that food the same. When I went ahead and had that conversation, TMI, feminine hygiene, and was talking about the different ways that, you know, these regular brands always and Kotex, the things that's inside of these pads and the fact that it's actually manufactured to keep a woman bleeding so that they can keep them depending on these pads. When I went ahead and changed over to those other pads I told you about, the R-A-E-L, and I ordered on Amazon, I never looked at pads the same. When I told you that I I am serious about having authentic relationships around me and I'm okay with my circle looking like a like somebody put a ballpoint ink dot on the paper, I would rather that than a arena full of people who don't really look out for my well-being, who really don't care about my day-to-day and who are who I can't know from a day-to-day what to expect from you. I would rather have a circle as big as a microscopic a mustard seed than to have anything bigger than that if it's not authentic. I want to know what to expect from people and because people know what to expect from me. I don't want perfection. I want consistency. I don't want perfection. I want growth. And I want that in all aspects of my life. And I've realized more than ever where I'm at that becoming me means that I have to stay true to this new wiring. Means that it's going to be some armor that I'm not really used to. And it's okay. David wasn't either when he was about to fight Goliath. But you know what? He had to make sure that he was used to it. That it was something that he was comfortable with. Even if it's not familiar, are you comfortable with it? And so as I'm trying out these new pieces of armor and there's certain things that's in me. And I'm like, I realized that how I handle things, normal people wouldn't. Normal people wouldn't respond to things the way that I do. And this because I believe in my heart that the way that God wired me, he will not show me a thing that triggers something in me that wants to change something, wants to speak up, wants to advocate on any regard. He will not show me that if he did not want me to speak on it with the intent that he will lead my words. I'm not going about these situations just head on like I'm going to say something to such and such. No, because Outside of being felt, I want to be heard. And I know that the only way to really get true, authentic communication is to go ahead and go to the God that created it in the first place. I am clear that I do not handle things regular. And while I was almost getting ready to start beating myself up behind that, God was like, do me a favor, go to Ruth real quick. And I was like, okay. He was like, because the worst thing that the enemy can ever make you think is that you're becoming something that doesn't fit where you're going. No, you are becoming exactly who you need to be for the plan that I have for your life. And it may be some things that's scaling off of you, maybe some mindsets that's scaling off of you. It may be some new insights that's growing in you. And as much as you try to go ahead and say, okay, how much of this can I suppress so I can be regular? If God made you irregular, that's because he has an extraordinary plan for your life. And I'm okay with him putting extra on my ordinary. And so Ruth won. Man, this is mind-blowing. So this is pretty much talking about when, I'm going to give you just a backdrop real quick before I go to the verses that I want to read. But pretty much this man was from this land. Okay, great. He was from Bethlehem um, in Judah. He left his home because there was a severe famine there. And so he took his wife and his two sons, and his wife named was Naomi. And his name is Emelech. And he had two sons. And so they went ahead and they went to a land and they said, okay, we're going to go ahead and settle here. So a little bit after, doesn't really give a time frame, but after they get there, he died. 
And so now the woman is there just with Naomi. She's there just with her two sons. But then the two sons go ahead and they marry um, Moabite women. And so one married a woman named Oprah, which is sidebar, uh, I think, scrambled letters for Oprah, low-key. But I digress. So one name, uh, one married a woman named Oprah. And then the other married a woman named Ruth. And then about 10 years, a whole decade after, both of the sons died. And so initially at the end left Naomi alone without her husband, without her two sons, and these two new, decade new uh, daughter-in-laws, right? So I want to go ahead and read from Ruth 1, verse 6. Let's start there. And you know I read in the NLT version. So then it says, then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them crops again. Yay, sidebar, which is good because what she knew about 10 years ago plus, it was a famine there. That's why they had to leave in the first place, right? You following? Cool. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to their homeland. Seven, with her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. Eight. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's home and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. Nine, may the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye and they all broke down and wept. Ten, now, they said, we want to go with you to your people. Eleven, but Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' home, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? 13. Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry somewhere else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. 14. And again, they wept together, and Oprah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. 15. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. 16. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. 17. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. 18. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. This is the type of big energy that I'm starting to feel. And now it makes sense why God had me go back and read Ruth. There's just some things that you know what, when it's a fork in a road, it's like how you gonna stand up for it. When there's a fork in a road, you do have the opportunity to be regular, but then you know what? Every path doesn't the regular path doesn't lead to Boaz. There is something about reading that Oprah at first was like, no, and it may have been because it was a new emotional 
you know, situation. It may have been her initial knee-jerk reaction. Maybe she saw Ruth say no first, so she was like, cool, I'm going to cry with y'all too because that's how I feel a little bit too. And then when it was like, no, let me show you the reality of this road that you're that you're so determined to go on. Um, yeah, there are no sons. Okay, you're going to be with me. Uh, and I can't have no kids. And even if I could have kids, if they grew up today, what you going to do? You're going to wait. And so just know that this road that you were about to take is going to require um, some waiting. Okay, great. It's going to be scarce because there may be other people that you can go ahead and marry, but you choose to go ahead and do this route. This is what it entails. And I love the fact that Oprah stayed true to herself. She didn't give a a secondary. She literally sized up what was said to her and was like, huh, got to wait. I'm still in my prime. Um, you know what? You're right. (laughs) Um, I ain't even going to hold you. It's been real. We had like what? 10, 12 years together. Yeah. You know what? And I appreciate that. You already gave me the blessing on my next marriage. So, um, thank you so much. And I hug you. Um, I would tell you to write, but I don't know where you're going. So I'm going back over here because where I came from, I have an idea of what to expect. The people there know me. I've only been gone a decade. So she hasn't been gone enough to be able to really entrench herself into this new life. So why not just do what what comes uh, convenient for everyone? Go back to your regular. Go back to before. And that in and of itself, it's not a bad thing. You know, if this was something that was in a movie, we probably would be booing Oprah, something so serious. But there could be. <laughs> Honestly, we're more like Oprah than we um care to possibly admit. Like, she, she, real talk. Like, let's just, okay, let's give an age to it. Let's say she got married at 20. Let's say now she's on the brink of 29, almost about to hit that big 3L. If she was someone that was close to you, would you encourage her to go on with this older woman who can no longer have kids to a land that she's never been in? This is literally sounding like, and I'm going to put it in real time. So I'm from New York, right? Let's say one of your good, good friends was from New York and somebody she met a dude from Atlanta. You know, he came up there to New York with his father and his sisters or his father and his mother, whatever. And then they went ahead and lived there. And then his pops died. And then you met him or somebody in your family met him. Let's make it far removed. Somebody in your family met him and they got married. And in 10 years, you know, they had a good, good marriage. And then her husband died. And then it was like, oh, okay. So the mother-in-law was like, listen, I'm not from New York. I'm from Atlanta. I'm getting ready to go back home. And so your family is like, hey, I think I'm going to go with old girl to Atlanta. It's like, huh? No, you're not. <laughs> Bro, oh, your family is here. What are you doing? No, no, no. Um, you don't even know. You don't even know her like that. I mean, you knew her as mother-in-law, but like to go back to Atlanta, to a land that you've never been to, to family that you don't even know. We don't even know if your niece would be taken care of. Like, bro, don't do that. You see how when you zoom out, it does make more sense. And it's not like, oh, she was foul for that. Like, no, real talk. I mean, you're not even 30. You're still in your prime. It's many a men out here. Like, seriously, go on any dating site. Like, how you want to do it? And so what Oprah did 
in and of itself wasn't a bad thing. She just resumed the life that she already had. But there's something about that big Ruth energy. (laughs) Something about that big Ruth energy. Because the fact that Naomi was able to say, see, once Oprah left, she's leaving. (laughs) Why don't you just go ahead and go? Look, she said in verse 15, look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. Why is it okay to instruct someone to do something based on what someone else has already done? Why is it okay? And that was one of the major struggles that I was having at that job. Why is it okay that when I'm telling someone, hey, this person speaks disrespectfully, that the advice from superiors was, yeah, that's just the way she is. You just have to accept it. Who? I'm sorry, I hate to turn into an owl, but who? No, no, no. It's above my pay grade. <laughs> uh-uh, absolutely not. I don't have to take anything that anybody's saying because y'all chose that because the people that sat in this seat prior to that, because the people that still currently sitting in their seats just went ahead and just was okay with that line of thinking. You just expected that anyone else who came into this new arena that you're just going to have to adapt to that too? Who? Oh, no, see, I'm sorry. Do not advise me to go somewhere, to land somewhere, to continue on in a thing based upon what everybody else decided to do. Don't give me that opera mindset. Don't give me that, but this is the regular thing, but this is, you know, it's just regular. <laughs> this is a regular Tuesday. Well, these Tuesdays don't work for me, and if she don't change these Tuesdays, I'm going to have to change up quick, fast, in a hurry, okay? Faster than a New York minute. Have a nice day. But the fact that I love that Ruth stood up for herself. She lit, her reply literally was so strong and was so, so entrenched in her truth and her wiring that she told Naomi in her own way, don't you tell me what to do. Don't you tell me to go against my wiring. I don't care where you go. If I said that I'm going to go, then this is what I'm going to do. But she told her it in such a strategically awesome, just stand in that sand, Ruth, put put 10 toes down in that thing. Like you, I'm getting so excited. Like really to be like, no, you don't get to tell me how I live the rest of my life. You don't get to tell me how I want to go ahead and do this thing. If I said I was going to do something then I'm a woman of my word and I'm going to do it. So this is what I'm going to do. And she gave it to her so strong that the Bible says that Ruth had nothing else to say. (laughs) Ruth was like, you know what? Okay, like I, if that's how you want to go ahead and do. But you know what the beauty of it is? It took that kind of mindset to get the blessing that came after that. I want you to understand that the way that you think, the way that you are wired, you absolutely cannot afford not to continue to follow that and live in that and to really hone in on it because you will miss out on the thing that God has for you. Notice Oprah didn't get nobody's Boaz. If you go on and read the rest of the story, we don't even hear about her anymore. That last little kiss goodbye, have a nice day that she did with Naomi, is the last that we know of her. We only know of her name because of the fact that she married one of Naomi's sons and that she was around for maybe about, you know, 10 years or so. But that's all we know. We don't know anything else about her accomplishments. We don't really know her age. We don't really know too much. But you know what we know about Ruth? That she is in the bloodline of Jesus. 
Yes, that Ruth literally is in the bloodline of Jesus. That Ruth literally, you can't say Boaz without going ahead and attaching Ruth to that. That there was some things and some wiring that Ruth was able to do because of the way that she is. Ruth was a hard worker. She went out and did some things. Nobody asked her to do anything. She was like, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to just start collecting some stuff for us. Even if I got to get the scraps of whatever it is. Read the rest of Ruth. You would just be like, yo, real talk, Ruth is cut from a different cloth. And when you know that you're cut from a different cloth, you will be doing yourself a disservice by trying to be regular. You're not Oprah. You're Ruth. You're Ruth. And as long as you don't live a Ruth life, you will never get a Ruth result. I need for us to start looking at our wiring and say, you know what? It may not look like everyone else. It may not look like the rest of my circle. It may not look like everyone at my job. But you know what? Time management means a lot to me. You know what? An orderly home means a lot to me. You know what? Authentic relationships mean enough to me that if it's not real, I will cut you off regardless of your title, family or not, kin, blood, whatever. If you are not true to where I'm going, to where I would like to be, then I don't want you near me in any capacity, whether it's in my phone, whether it's a virtual social media platform, whatever it is, I can't afford to be regular and I can't can't afford to have regular people around me. That's how strong and becoming who you are becoming should mean to you. Regular is always an option. Do something different. You want to see something you never saw before? Tap into who you are becoming. Who are you becoming? Are there some nudges that you like, yo, 10 years ago, this didn't really bother me. 10 years ago, I didn't have this mindset. 10 years ago, I wasn't thinking this... in 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 a native way, in its creative way, in its creative capacity, I wasn't thinking long term. I wasn't thinking generational. Ten years ago, you, I, I was thinking just about now and, and a few moments from now. But now, when I'm thinking, if I can't see that it's a long term uh, a reward in that, if I can't plant a seed now and keep continuing to reap it, if it's just something that's just temporal, then I don't want it. I don't want no coffee bean blessings. Well, I get this buzz for a time frame, and then after that, it fizzles out, and then I crash. Like, I don't want that. I want mustard seed. You know why the Bible says you have to have a mustard seed size faith? It's because for that seed to be so small, it is one of the largest trees ever when it grows. I need you to take the seed of who you're becoming. I need you to get to the soil that God is trying to get you to get to. I need you to let that thing take root. I need you to water it and I need you to go ahead and guard that because when this thing grows, you will be so proud of yourself. You will be so fulfilled. You will be so enriched that you took the Ruth path instead of Oprah. Please don't shortchange yourself because it makes logical sense in the moment. Please don't shortchange your future because you can't see further than what's going to happen this week or today. It is an uncomfortable place sometimes, but anything that's new is uncomfortable. Just because you had that social security number for as long as you had, you've been spelling that name for as long as you spelled the name, that you had your birthday for as long as you have your birthday, doesn't mean that there are new things coming from you and that God is constantly pruning you and you're growing and he's pruning you and he's growing. Read Matthew. My God, God is a perfect gardener. 
And the reason why you like, man, I just feel like every now and again, like something subtle but abrupt happens inside of me, and I need to be paying attention to that. And every time I try not to, I regret it. I, you, you may all of a sudden wake up one day and say, this career path ain't it. It, it. it doesn't bring spark joy. It doesn't bring fulfillment. This relationship can't continue this way. I need We need to go ahead and change it and do something different. I don't know if we need to go on a resort or whatever needs to be done, but we got to do something. I can't keep family in like this. Family has to change. I got to go ahead and do something different. Or I'm going to have to start doing something different. I can't keep spending money that way. This has to do. I, and then you just start looking at your life and you're like, I don't want to be regular no more. Get this off of me. Get it off of me. I don't want to be regular no more. Who thinks like that? Do you think like that? Because I've begun thinking like that, and I can go ahead and tell you, it is a very lonely place because there's a lot of regular people out here. A lot of regular people. How do you continue to do something that you know that's not working? How do you continue not to take chances because you want to go to what you're used to? How do you continue to play it safe? How do you continue to do that knowing that this Bible that we read says abundance, that Jesus did that gruesome thing that he did on Calvary so that you can live a life better than anyone ever has, that he put a special assignment, God put a special imprint on you for you to do something that nobody else has done, and yet... You chose safe and regular. My challenge to you is that you no longer smuggle the voice of greatness inside of you. That you start opening up the boxes, the inboxes, the email that God has been sending you in your soul to say, if you open that, I would change your life. If you were to read some of what I'm trying to do to you, I would change your life. That you would be bold enough to allow God to change your life. Are you bold enough to allow God to change your life? It's not always going to be comfortable because regular is comfortable. One size fits all is, eh, you know, close but no cigar, but close enough, right? Who wants a one size fits all blessing? <laughs> not I, said the cat in the hat. I'm going to go ahead and raise my hand on that one. That's my challenge to you. Become who you're becoming. Because I'm becoming me. Oh, I'm becoming me. I'm sitting here in between jobs right now, and I'm just like, before I check in to any other facility, I need to know that there's growth. I need to know that I'm an asset to this environment, and I need to know that this environment is actually an asset to me. I refuse to go anywhere while I'm clocking into anything, and I know that for the next eight to nine hours with the lunch included that I'm going to be drained. I'm not going to do that for the rest of my life just to safely arrive to retirement to then start living. I am not doing that. I am not having the regular teenage years with my kids where it's like, oh, now that you're a teenager and you're thinking this way and you're hormonal or your you know, frontal lobe is not all the way developed so your decision making is trash I'm not having a regular just parenting relationship with these kids I'm going to make sure that they are adults that even if they don't adhere to it now they cannot say that I did not put the tool in their arsenal and that when they grow up they will be able to mimic something that I did not see in my own childhood I will not be a regular wife I am not going to sit and just you know we just pay bills and that's just it and you know we we, we may talk about stuff we may not but it's just surface level mm, I want to lay next to somebody that I know the depths of him and that he knows the depths of me I want to know that we are growing with each other 
that we are the iron that sharpens each other, that we are a covenant that God put together, that this covenant is going to be blessed, that out of all the covenants in the world, God blesses marriage. So if we're going to be together, we're going to be together, and we're going to be prosperous together. There's going to be some things that you do with me that you're not able to do with anybody else in this world because of the covenant that God placed you and I. I don't want to be a regular friend. I don't want to be the friend that's in your phone that's just in your phone that I don't know that you're okay from day to day. I don't want to be the friend that, that doesn't celebrate you, that doesn't tell you to slow down, that doesn't check you when you're wrong, that doesn't sharpen you in any kind of way. I don't want regular friendships. I don't want family as usual. I don't want family that we splat and we don't talk and, you know, I didn't know that that was going on or whatever the case may be and that, you know, if we don't see each other because, you know, as family starts dying off, we don't meet up with each other no more. I don't want any of that. If you are family, we are family forever and you're going to treat such and I have enough people who are speaking in my ear and saying things that shouldn't be said and trying to get me off my, my pedestal. I don't need family to do that. I don't want to do anything regular. I don't want to carry myself regular. I don't want to speak regular. I don't want to think regular. I'm into books. I'm doing self-help. This thing called life, I'm not going to do it regularly. Do you understand that? I'm Ruth bound. I'm Ruth bound. And I, and I cast away anything that even tries to make me think like an Oprah. I'm done on all, all, all facets of it. I had when my cousin texted me this morning, she was like, hey, how's the job hunting going? I was like, you know, and I kind of just told her where I was at. And she was like, you know, you can't keep um, because I told her the last two jobs I walked out on. The last one a little bit more abruptly. The other one, it was affecting my health, so I had to leave. And so her verbiage prior to me breaking it down was, you know, you can't keep doing that. But you know what? What was the other option? To stay somewhere and the only way to get out is FMLA? To have it where a job drains you to the point that it's like, oh, my gosh, I, I need a mental health day twice a week? To have a, to not listen to your soul being in agony that it starts to manifest into your physical realm, that it starts to manifest in your body, and now you're in the ER and you're getting all these illnesses and nobody can't really put their finger on it, and it's because you're not listening to your soul saying, I don't want to be in this environment no more. It's sucking the energy and the oxygen out of me. Is that the other option? No. I'd rather walk away from anything that is dead seed than to try to pretend that I'm watering something that I feel is fruitful. I'm good. Do you understand that? Like, I, I, I look at who I want to be in the next five to ten years, and I look at where I'm at now, and I'm speaking from a place in the future that is looking at me now and saying, please don't quit. We can't afford for you to. Please don't be regular. We can't afford for you to. I don't want these regular shackles on me. But I understand that it comes with a cost. I understand that there's Naomi's in life that look at you like, why are you not doing what somebody else is doing? Look, she look, Oprah went back to her her family and her gods. Look, you know, such and such, you know, they went to their job. Look, you're the only person at this job that has a problem. Everybody else seems to just, you know, deal with it. Look, you know, everybody else is yellow and spending their money in a certain type of way. Why are you the one that's always saving? Look, look, yeah, and you know what? There's a lot of Naomi's that will go ahead and point out, look, look what everybody else is doing, but there's only one path to Ruth, and it's true. Truly, authentically walking out what nobody else is willing to do. Do you understand how powerful that is? Something about that, something about that should rattle you to say, you know what? <laughs> I don't want to be regular no more. Yeah. I must I'm I'm gonna start becoming. Becoming who? Becoming me. Hmm. <laughs>
I can go on and on about this. I promise you, because this thing is so unsettled and, and just revved up in me that I'm like, I can't be the only one. And if I am, I'm okay with being the only one because I can't be like everyone else. I just, I can't. But I pray that you got what you needed from this phone call. I pray that you got from what I from what I'm experiencing, I pray that you went ahead and tasted that and was like, wait a minute. Okay, now that you said it in that way, hold on. Wait a minute. This is 22. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But you know what these conversations are. They're life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everybody else is going to have with you. Not everybody else is going to knock on your door, come in and say, hey, you know you've been doing it wrong. And not just point the finger at you, just say, hey, I was too. But look, we can do it together. <laughs> Come on. We're going on a chat. Like, you see what I'm saying? <sighs> I love our conversations. I ain't going to hold you. I picked up the phone, and I was a little heavy. Not going to hold you. I was feeling very in the dumps a little bit. Wanted to go find my tail. And it's because, you know, it can be disheartening to feel like you want you want more like-minded people around you. You want to, and I'm the person that I really thrive off of people and their energy. All right. Oh, let's go get it. And you know, I'm competitive when it's something positive and to look around and see like, yeah, not too many people think like that. Not too many people are willing to do that, that kind of bold step. Not too many people are. When you start to see that it does take a little bit of win out your sale, but I don't want to do that no more. Every time I feel a little bit of it, I'm going to pop on this phone and be like, Hey, this is why we doing what we doing because we Ruth Balanyard me. You understand? All right. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and let you uh, let you let me go. Okay, great. Um, I actually got to start frying these turkey chops. Real talk, because I don't eat pork pork chops. I got turkey chops and I fry them like pork chops. Listen, I'm like, mm, let me go ahead and make this. But, um, you know that we gonna have another conversation soon, right? So keep your phone nearby. <laughs> you know I'm gonna call you right back. Stop playing with me. All right, I'll talk to you later. Later.